from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello, everyone. It's 2018, and it's Talking Catholic, the first uh, podcast of the Diocese of Camden, first podcast of the Catholic Community of South Jersey, and we are entering year two, and I'm Pete Sanchez, staff writer, social media coordinator of the Star-Herald with uh, my co-host, Mike Walsh. Mike, Happy New Year. And a Happy New Year to you, sir. And a Merry Christmas. A few, Merry a few days left of Christmas. Merry Christmas, right? Yes, we got the Epiphany uh, coming up. Uh, this is the, I think uh, tomorrow isn't the 6th, but it's being observed on the 7th, mm-hmm. on Sunday. Yeah, we're recording this on uh, Friday, a little late this week, but... Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, just we just uh, came from the uh, what the diocesan mass uh, feast day of Saint John, uh, as we were told today by our bishop Saint John Neumann, not uh, not I, Newman. Is that if it's somebody? I well, he said was... that a few times, and I'm I have no doubt that a, a good German person from uh, his time up in New York uh, explained to him that the proper pronunciation is Neumann, Neumann. even though uh, we've given. Uh, Lovingly referred to as the little bishop, uh, the name of Newman uh, around yeah. these parts. Yeah, I think it's um, it, it, somebody was like, "Is that is that the official uh, saying now?" And I think in our diocese, yes. Oh yeah, you have to say Newman. Um, but are you are you recovering from your eggnog, gingerbread, turkey revelry high from this? The only thing that ex- the only thing that happened in that uh, sentence was uh, turkey. Otherwise, um, I uh, no. It was the it is without a doubt the laziest uh, Christmas vacation, uh, probably since I was what twelve. We, I, my family and I, we literally laid around the house for about nine days. The uh, I, I uh, helped my grandmother move into a assisted living facility, and that was pretty um, much the high water mark of my activity for the entire. Uh, and it's a very nice facility, so no sadness about that. But it's uh, uh, that was about the high water mark of uh, of my week. I was so lazy that uh, a beard sprouted from my chin that I decided, or well, at least from my cheeks anyway, uh, that I yeah, decided to keep because uh, it just looked so good. And it's cold yeah. outside, and I want my face to be warm. Oh, I know it is. Bone chilling right now yeah. here in the Northeast. The, are it's, you uh, bothered by significant cold, Pete? Sometimes, you know, I'm not so much if it's just cold. But yesterday, with the drifting snow and the wind, mm-hmm. that really caught me. I was shoveling snow with my parents yesterday, and I uh, just it kept on, you know, just a big cold slap in the yeah. face with that wind. But it wasn't too bad this morning. Took uh, took some time to get the car warmed up, about 20, 25 minutes before I actually... 25 minutes to warm up your car? Well, I want to make sure it's pretty toasty in there before I get on the road. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I, I got I to gotta backtrack. <laughs> two, 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 respect, two respect. Number one... I was just busy to, doing other hold stuff on. at that time. Wait yes. a second. The, uh, my, uh, okay, so my philosophy on the cold is I thought yesterday was fantastic because I, I, I will take a... T- Two degree day over in January, over a ninety eight degree day in in July, any t- any day of the week, because um, I can always put on more clothes. But there comes a limit to how much I can take off and be comfortable in the summertime. Um, but no, that was great. I was out there for two hours shoveling, and it was fantastic. The only the only thing I did was uh, I mean I dressed warmly, but I did have my full f- face uh, covered, just my eyes were exposed. But oh, it was wonderful, and, and uh, I never got overheated the entire time I was there. And as a bigger fella. I think the cold works to my uh, my advantage. Now, about warming up your car. Well, maybe just, not 25 minutes. Okay, well, just this that. morning, just this morning, I saw on the news, um, 30 seconds is all you need because, and here's the reason why, your car actually warms up faster once it's in motion. Um, matter of fact, i not ever putting these two <laughs> things together. I, when I got my new car like five years ago, in the manual, it even said uh, only warm up your car for a few minutes or not a few minutes, for a brief period of time and then get it on the road. And sure enough, my car, my car, has an, it's great and it's got an automatic heating system in it in the sense that it will not turn the blowers on until the engine is hot enough to produce warm air. Because otherwise, it's just blowing cold air at you, which oh, is even worse. pretty much. That's, that's yeah. the worst thing in the world. Um which used to drive me nuts when my wife and I first got married because it would be a cold day out. She would immediately crank up the heat, crank up the and crank up the blower, crank, crank up the fan, um, and all it would do is spew cold air for three minutes. I said, "Honey, let's turn those off." And then, and so now the car does it automatically, which saves us from having an argument. 
<laughs> which once again, the car is our salvation. So, very nice. Yeah. That's well. I heard something about you need the oil to be able to drip to engine or something because so, if that can freeze I... well yeah i mean there are but that's in our area this is unusual the last two days to be this cold there are reasons to do that in minnesota but they also have like engine block heaters and things like that for when it's yeah. really terrible weather oh. but for I... most of the time 30 seconds is enough for us okay i love and how... you'll, you'll save so much on gas that's good to know. I love how for like two minutes the show became car talk. Not that we're as <laughs> I will talk. Or... You, you know how we always talk about talking food? I will talk cars anytime you want. <sighs> I was actually looking at cars this weekend. Then my wife said we're not allowed to buy a new car because we just bought her a new one. So we have to wait five years before I can buy one. It's fine. I'm not bitter. It's okay. Oh, but I was thinking yeah. about getting a hybrid. Well, there is, um, funny enough, the, the church that I go to uh, down in, in – uh, it's the Diocese of Trenton, uh, Long Beach Island. I go there every summer for a week to Long Beach Island. And the church there, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, they have a car raffle every year. Mm-hmm. So maybe you should do that in June if it's a classic car raffle. So that can. What kind of car do they raffle off? I think they're nice cars, Mike. I'm not sure exactly which. Uh, like a nice Lincoln Town car? Have I gotten that old that I should be getting Lincoln Town cars? I don't think they have Lincoln Town cars. Okay. I think they might be a little more speedier. Oh, like in terms of their like uh, Mustangs. Ferrari, yeah. Oh, no, so I will uh, end of June. Ferrari, wow, so. that's pretty impressive. Might be, yeah. I, you know, don't quote me on that. I'm not gonna because I think you're wrong. But that's that's awesome though. That's pretty cool. It is neat. So, if and this is officially the longest we've ever it's ever taken us to get to the uh, intro to to the yeah. uh, to the news section. Yes. So, sorry, we, sorry, podcast listeners. We need like a breaking news. If somebody uh, who's musically inclined wants to write. Something for us for our breaking news segment. You desperately want to turn this into a morning news show, don't you? I mean, a a morning zoo. I don't. I just think it'd be great to have. You keep talking about all these sub themes. I'm the one that has to put those all in there. I I like that this is this. We couldn't do this more simply. I make after we're done. I make a couple of edits to take out a few ums and ahs and any like technological issues, and then all I drop in is the intro and the outro, and we're done. It's great. I agree. Simplicity is key, and when we get to our guests, well. I think we might talk about some of that too, simplicity, but I, I don't know. I just I feel like we need to pump it up, especially with this new year. I'm excited for what this well, new year is going to bring with the show. Yes. Um, I am looking forward to year two. We've, we've actually got the entire month planned out, so we're very excited about this. This is actually – we, we had we had a different guest scheduled for this week, but uh, yesterday's snow bomb uh, got him out, so uh, fortunately we were having a gathering today in the diocese, and we were able to – I said – Pete, look around, see who'd be interesting, and doggone it if he didn't find the most interesting character in the room. I know. We're very, very, I can't wait to have him on. I wish we could actually start interviewing him, but we got to get these new things out, and then we'll bring him in. Okay. Well, again, sorry about our guest. Uh, couldn't make it today. Hopefully, we'll have you on again, or have you on real soon. Uh, so, Mike, coming up uh, this Tuesday, we'll be joining other young adults from the diocese at Tiernanogue and Cherry Hill for Theology on Tap, the annual, not the annual, um, it's uh, We try to do it every month. It's gathering of young adults in the diocese for brews, conversations, and faith, uh, a lot of faith. Um, this is going to be January 9th, Tuesday, 7 p.m., and it's going to be FaceTime with God, Praying with Icons. Uh, is a theme, and Deacon Anthony Infanti, uh, who's a seminarian for our diocese, uh, he's actually going to be talking a bit about uh, just praying uh, and, and how to get closer to God, how to FaceTime with God through these icons. And that's uh, for young adults in their late teens, 18 and 19, 20s and 30s, married and single. So come out. It is a free event. For more info, um, go to Gre- you can email gregory.coogan at canondiocese.org. Or even better, uh, join Theology on Tap South Jersey on Facebook or follow Theology on Tap SJ on Twitter. So that is Tuesday, January 9th. 7 p.m. at Tiernanog Restaurant in Cherry Hill. And next weekend, Mike, uh, speaking of seminarians, we have the retreat weekend with seminarians uh, for young men. Uh, if you're currently junior or senior in high school, college student, or in the professional world up to 39 years old, you've, you're feeling the possible call to the priesthood. Uh, this retreat, it's an all-day retreat, can help you discern and pray with others who uh, might be considering the same call as well. So that's Saturday, January 13th. To Sunday, January 14th, 2018. For more info, uh, you can call, um, go to, for more info, go to www.camdenpriest.org.
Org. Again, that's next weekend, January 13th and 14th. And the same weekend, Mike, uh, in Sicklerville, there's going to be the Catholics Fight Racism Life and Justice Ministries gathering uh, starting at 10 a.m. Saturday, January 13th at St. Charles Barmel Church, 176 Stagecoach Road in Sicklerville. So come out. It's going to be an event. Uh, you can. It's going to help. Uh, you know how how can uh, how we can help people how how the diocese can help people promote racial justice in their own communities. It'll be a day of reflection, dialogue, prayer, education, uh, equipping the uh, participants who come to work for racial justice. And and Bishop Sullivan actually said something after the event in Charlottesville, Virginia, I think a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Right, Mike? He said yeah, uh, summertime, yeah. Yeah, he said Catholics, this is what Bishop Sullivan, our bishop, said, uh, Catholics have a crucial role to play in the fight for racial justice, inspired by a belief that every single person is sacred because each person is created in the image and likeness of God. So come out to this uh, for more information or to register, go to www.canondiocese.org slash fight racism. And um, then next we can do is uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day on, on Monday, January 15th, remembering the life of... Uh, Life of Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King, and there's going to be a blood drive. Uh, it's going to be three places, Camden, New Jersey, Glassboro, and Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Uh, Sacred Heart Parish in Camden, Church of St. Bridget, Glassboro, your church, Mike, and mm-hmm. Catholic Community of Christ Our Light in Cherry Hill. All those uh, blood drives go from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and you can uh, register online at redcrossblood.org or contact the blood drive coordinator, Betty Atkins at 609-413-1701. And, you know, we kind of went, because we talked so long in the beginning, we kind of glossed over, just gave you the bare bones of it. But all four of those events are things that, uh, if they appeal to you in any way, you should absolutely make yourself, uh, uh, you know, really go out to. The, uh, I mean, feel free to come out on Martin Luther King Day and bleed with me in, in Glassboro. And the, the racism event in Sicklerville is one thing that, uh, you know, I think... As we, if, any, if there's any time in our lives as adults where racism is sort of – it's always been there, right? Like it's, it's, but it's become a bit more <clears> – it's become less nuanced and more obvious in the last year or two. And I really think that this is an opportunity. This is something that you've wondered how you could be more – a greater advocate in the fight against racism – you know, that's, this might be an, an event that you really want to consider coming out to and yeah. getting a Catholic perspective on it and a Catholic social justice uh, perspective on it. And I, th- I think you'll find it – I think you'll find it in some ways heartening to know that there are so many people out there fighting the good fight, uh, but also educational. And as in my lifetime, I have – Gone from thinking that ah, there's no racism in the world to realizing, oh, institutional racism is is so difficult to, yeah. to perceive sometimes. So yeah. so events like this are really very beneficial. And obviously, uh, with our other event, if uh, two other events, if you are a uh, young man considering the priesthood, by all means, come out to the uh, discernment event that um, you know we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast those meetings with other people who are discerning their faith as to whether or not to have a vocation are very powerful and you really get a lot out of it. And every single, every single priest we've talked to and every single nun I've spoken with for that matter has said that those, that that discernment period is more important than anything else in their lives. Like having the initial calling obviously is, is necessary, but it was through the discernment and the conversations they had with others that they were really able to find their focus as to whether to, to pursue a vocation or not, or that vocation. And all the seminarians are just wonderful humans, wonderful young men. And, and, uh, father Michael Romano, the director, the vocations director, uh, is just, he's great. He's such a, a positive light for a diocese in that regard. Always upbeat, energetic. Um, uh, it's just yeah, always with a smile on his face. Father Romano? Yes. Yes, I agree. Good man, it's that a, Father Romano. Big, yeah. big fan. Big fan. Little yeah. guy, big fan. The, uh, <laughs> well, he is. But, and he's lost a ton of weight lately. So, yeah. I like skinny Father Romano. It's nice. He inspired <laughs> me to, to lose my own weight. Well, that and I was really fat. Um, and then the last thing is obviously the theology on tap. We've talked about that ad nauseum, but uh, I really do hope that uh, millennials will come out to it and uh, yeah. and young Gen Xers uh, like yourself, Pete, uh, will come out and really, uh, really I, 
avail themselves of uh, particularly meeting with uh, Deacon Anthony Infante, who has his own really kind of impressive faith journey. Yeah, very unique. So. Oh, he yeah he he's another one. Uh, Seminary is great, and and Mike and I will be there to say hello. We'll be recording it mm-hmm. for Thornton uh, Catholic. So right, take a. So, Check it out. All right, so, uh, so 16 minutes and or 15 minutes and 16 seconds later, and we are finally able to introduce our guest that we are so happy to have on the podcast. Yes, and then I, I, who I, saved our butt as well as uh, will, is very entertaining and a perfect person to have, and probably yeah. an oversight on our part that we didn't have him on sooner. I, I, I would agree. I think uh, we have brother. I would too. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when he, the guests agree with us. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> uh, we have brother Mickey McGrath, uh, who's um, he's a Oblo to St. Francis de Sales, a very talented uh, individual, as you'll, as you'll come to learn. Of my first experience was with him. Uh, Brother Mickey, you led a retreat in uh, our diocese. And you're, uh, if you don't know Brother Mickey, uh, well, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll know about him. But his, his, uh, he's an artist, but it's just so – he really has a way of, of bringing the sacred out, connecting it here to us. Through his images and uh, brother Mickey, how are you today? How are you? Happy New Year! Honored to be uh, pinch hitting for your <laughs> originally <laughs> scheduled guest. <Yeah. laughs> well, so uh, first off, uh, talk, just how um, what is your studios? You, you be still. Be still is the name of the the, the business of the business studio. Yeah, business part of it, and. Um, I've, but my actual studio space is down at Sacred Heart Church in South Camden, okay. just off Broadway on on Jasper Street. And that's a two that's a two floor studio. That's right. I've been yeah. there. And, yeah. and how one of the images um, you'll be able to see this on social media when we put it up. But this image here is my favorite. It's St. Francis de Sales, our patron mic, patron journalists and writers. That's right. Um, he created this, uh, and it's beautiful. It's St. Francis de Sales at a computer. It's kind of contemporary. He's in his uh, bed slippers. He's got a robe on. He's got the cross around his neck, and it's it's awesome. He's typing on a uh, computer, and the computer on the screen says, Live Jesus. There's a printer, and really connecting, bringing that saint and his ministry into our times and it's just beautiful. That, it, and I want to point out their clerical bedclothes. Clerical bedclothes. Okay, I didn't know there was such Proper a thing. Proper <laughs> um, And that, that is just, that's at my office to remind mm. me of my ministry. And uh, so how did you, and you're the author and illustrator of 11 books, uh, received many awards from Catholic publishing associations, including uh, Catholic Press Association, Mike, which you and I have been to the conferences. Oh, sure. Before... Um, so very decorated and just you're a native of Philadelphia, uh, Brother mm-hmm, Mickey. How, right, that's right. Just talk a bit about uh, uh, first off, how did you get into this work? Um, well, I I, uh, I don't remember a time when I didn't love art. I share this a lot of my retreats and presentations, but my earliest memories of growing up in Northeast Philly at St. Matthew's Parish. I had four siblings and they were all in school, and it was just me and uh, my mother at home. And every afternoon she used to do her ironing and watch as the world turns <laughs> and I used to uh, this is like four years old it's as far back as I remember and I'd sit underneath the ironing board and draw and color and my dad worked for Sears for 45 years and he used to bring paper home from work and I'd turn it over to the blank side and so that's where I became an artist and as a very shy self-conscious kid that was my safe place you know or happy place I guess um, and so as I got older um, my parents set up a little studio kind of a thing in our basement and so from sixth grade through high school I right where I would throw my books on the dining room table and go right down to the basement and that's where I became an artist that's where it all started but I, I'm so grateful now that I'm um, I had parents who recognized it and supported it and helped me with it I never got any friction from them as far as you know <laughs> you can't study art there's no money in it and as students told me you know when I was teaching years later you know that they had parents tell them they had to drop their art class and take a business class instead or something yeah. and I thought how oh, pathetic <laughs> you know, people don't get it I think if we had, had more people studied art and music and poetry the world yeah. wouldn't be in the shape it's in right now you know I wholeheartedly agree. As a, as a writer, you know, that's how I was an English major in college and 
always creative arts. Uh, my sister, my older sister can draw. And so I was almost kind of envious of her. My father can draw too. He's a doctor. But uh, I never did get the drawing, the artistry bug. But you're, I, I do agree with you that statement, you know, would... I think there's not so much, uh, there should be a better appreciation for art and for music and for poetry. And and did you go to art school? Well, I, I started taking art lessons um, my freshman year in high school. We didn't have art class at Father Judge High School, which is where I uh-huh. went and met the Ablates that I'm now a member of. Oh, you um, have to leave because I went to St. George Prep. Oh, did you really? <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, the whole summer, I share this story a lot too, but the, the summer leading up to high school, I had a knot in my stomach all summer long. I just couldn't because I, I was suddenly so unathletic and you know I, I shy all those things. And I just thought I am not going to cut it in this old boys high school. And um, so two weeks before class, before school opened, I remember I came downstairs and my dad was reading the uh, newspaper, the Philly Inquirer, <laughs> and um, uh, he said I'm reading an article about art classes for young people at the Moore College of Art, downtown Philly, right over, right at Logan Circle. Okay. And um, he said they meet every Saturday. He said, do you think you'd be interested in that? Oh. And three hours later, we were downtown signing me up for art classes that I went to every Saturday for four years of high school. And um, that, that just opened up my world in ways that even now, you know, I look back in ways that I didn't know as a 15-year-old, but boy, what doors had opened. And I don't even mean just because of the art and the techniques and styles, all those things that I was learning, history, and, um, but encountering black kids and Jewish kids and Puerto Rican kids and kids that didn't live in yeah. my lily white corner of Philadelphia, you know, Protestant kids, you know, it was just, uh, it was like a whole, a whole new world though. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved every second of it. And I, that's what, what got me what I'm doing today. You know? How did you make, how'd you migrate across the river? To, to, to Duke, to Camden. Oh, oh, I thought you meant back then. No, 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 no. Oh. I thought I'd end up over here. After, back then, it was like lock your doors and drive as fast as you can through Camden. You know? And that's terrible. Still, a lot of people think that way. Um, uh, I, I mean, well, two reasons. One, uh, Bishop Galante invited the Oblates to uh, staff the cathedral. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, two friends. Uh, came and I used to come here. I was living in Mount Airy over in Philly that year. And I used to come over for occasional mass on Sundays. And, um, but not thinking so much moving here just yet, but what happened is Father Michael Doyle, uh, that Sacred Heart, um, said to me, if you would ever think of moving your studio to Camden, he said, I have a spot for you. And he said, so I came over and checked out all the wonderful things that go on down at Sacred Heart and what a unique place it is and what an icon he is, you know, he's a, um, and I have the highest regard for him. So um, when I saw all the energy in that parish and he said, um, he said, just your creative, the beauty that you create will, will ripple out through the neighborhood. Um, and he, he said, I firmly believe that. So that was eight years ago and there I am. Kevin has such a history yeah, yeah. of artists like you and, and Nick Virgilio. That's right. Yeah, poet. We were, of course he had huge regard for him too. Yeah. Now they're getting ready to open the Virgilio Writing Center, Writers Retreat House there. Wonderful. On the corner of Jasper and Broadway. Oh, I didn't so, know that. I'm glad you yeah. mentioned that. Should, uh, I don't know when exactly. I'm sure you'll be making announcements about it when the time comes. Yeah, I know. It's right, that sounds getting touch of Monsignor Doyle. That's something we'd like to promote. But yeah, it's a real godsend because it just opened my eyes to I've never lived in Camden before. You know, I was always, I lived in D.C. for 11 years. Loved it. But um, I taught for 11 years up at the Sales University in Allentown, so out in the middle of the country. And I was, a, so uh, it's not that different here from Northeast Philly, except uh, uh, the demographic and that's what I love you know I also um, it's really drew, drawn my attention to the connections between art and beauty and social justice and discovering Christ in uh, places and faces I never lived around or with or amongst before you know yeah. and it's just really broadened my horizons that way too yeah. you know yeah. take them out of our old little 
Like Pope Francis once said, uh, Jesus breaks through the boring categories to which we try to limit him. And I just thought, boy, that's so true. You know, if you just let it happen and break yeah. out of our little old ways. <laughs> well, you know, speaking about you, since we sort of talked about your history, and we've, we've talked about the art a little bit. Uh, how about the connection to the Oblates? Is that something that started right from Father Judge? Or? It is. I went right out of high school, you know. Really? It was the common thing back in the day. Then, you know, that was 1974. Um, I entered, I think there were what, six, 16 of us entered that year. That was the last big class we had. And because uh, that's right when things started, you know, bottoming out and changing and <laughs> the numbers were lessening in each year. Um, <laughs> But anyhow, I, I went up to our college, uh, now called the Sales University, and that's where the seminary was. And I started out, they didn't have an art major, so um, my uh, postulant director, uh, Father Michael Donovan, came to me one day and he said, you really want to major in art, don't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, so I went to Moravian College in Bethlehem. Um, and a couple other friends who were musicians went there to study music. So the Oblates as a community from the beginning have been very supportive and yeah. That's great. The, a lot of uh, religious communities aren't there's you know, gung ho and artists because we do tend to be a little different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about the Oblates that really, I mean, aside from your interactions with them, but what was it about the Oblates I love initially? The, uh, and, the, and the more I learned, I guess, I, I don't remember what I thought of it at the time, except that um, the Oblates that I encountered. Uh, really lived out what I came to learn was Salesian spirituality, which is uh, just down-home, common-sense spirituality. Very, uh, it's, it's spirituality for the workplace and mm -hmm. the common person. You know, Francis de Sales used to say, you don't have to run off to a monastery or become a monk or a nun to have a spiritual life, that everybody, no matter what you do in life, what you're calling, you have a personal prayer life with God. And I think that's what always appealed to me, that I didn't have to... You know, there's no pious stuff involved. It's earthy and yeah. practical and, and doable. Yeah. You know? And his big thing is patience, you know, it, that, uh, and I think we need to have more than ever, you know, the world gets crazier each day. And that's my message all the time through the art filter of art, but also Francis de Sales. Of, we need those contemplative moments each day and we're all of us, I mean, myself included, running all the time and texting and, uh, you know, it's like, oh, what do I have to do today? All that stuff, and we yeah. can get very overwhelmed by it. And Francis yes. used to once said that uh, the only thing worse for the human soul than sin is stress. And because uh, yeah. uh, we can get so swallowed up in it. So I think that's my mission, and that's what I see anyhow as my work as an artist, is to teach uh, alternatives to stress. And I like that. That is, a, that is an excellent way of describing that, because you're absolutely right. It's... Uh, it's something I grapple with every day, uh, patience, stress, and I'm never... I can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Such a bundle of nerves. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's true. You know, it, that was what was so weird about, you know, as we mentioned in the intro. I mean, I, I was basically off for nine straight days. And at the last day, I actually got irritated at myself because I felt like I hadn't done anything. And... I didn't take. It took me. A, it took me a couple of hours on that last, the last day off, to actually go. Wait, that's that's still something. And then I took time to like you know, rest and let my mind be free for a little bit. And if I slept until, I got my son was old enough that I can sleep in now. But uh, sleep in till nine and just kind of be natural, not running all over the place and not being on my phone all the time. Um, even though I was on my phone quite a lot, but not being on my phone all the time, which I think you're absolutely right. It's something we're, we miss in this society. And we talk, I'd say this is a fairly, we have many common themes that, that show up in our podcast, Pete. But would you not agree that uh, dealing with the cacophony of the world tends to be something that comes up in almost every single one of them? Completely, because I think it's something that's, Mike, always on my mind. The same, this Bay Break was, uh, was good for me. I had family in the area, so I spent a lot of time with them. Uh, visited some friends, uh, always wonderful, and and I, it's just you know the outside world. And I think it's a theme because I think it's ever present. The world is. We wake up, we step outside, and the world is always with us. The this this world here, when the one that we're, you know, we should be trying to focus on is the kingdom of God. We're trying to not trying to get you know. Hope I'm. What I'm trying to say is uh, 
what the faithful um, as Catholics are trying to do. We're trying to, um, we're, we're thinking of heaven, but the, this world here collides with us. And it's, 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 uh, it's a, there's a tension there. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, and Brother Mickey, you talked a bit about um, beauty. And that's something I just finished a book um, that Bishop Barron wrote. Mm. And he talks a lot about beauty with his ministry, The Word on Fire. Um, and I just, and he, he talked about art. He talked about Michelangelo, Caravaggio. Uh, that, you know, that is where the church needs to start as a point of evangelization, is beauty. Is that kind of how you see with your Very working? much so. Because um, um, the person I learned a lot of beauty, looked at beauty in a new way, was um, Dorothy Day. One of her life mottos was, in the end, beauty will save the world. Yeah. And she got that from Dostoevsky, who was her favorite writer. And she, if you ever read her journals and letters, she countless times she, she reminds herself of that, especially living down in the Bowery, you know, and uh, doing the work she did all the time. And um, and that was her motto, I guess, life life motto for um, those moments when you are feel bogged down in the stress and the worry and ugliness of life that beauty is is always here you know it's just not always in the way we are trained to expect that you know and i think that's discovering new forms of beauty i think is what it's about so i totally agree yes it calms us down that just being in nature we all need to do that and we're so separate from nature these days you know that's the mike and i've talked about bringing this outside i don't know how we could do it That'd be oh, great that to do be, a nature show. This wouldn't be able to do it on a windy day, but yeah, no. <laughs> I have no problems finding a nice park somewhere or retreat house. They, uh, hey, there you go. Hey, Perfectly you go. fine. Perfect. <laughs> uh, but what was some of your, we talked a bit about the St. Francis, the one that, getting into some more of your art, uh, the one that sticks out to me, I remember in your retreat, it just, it's burned in my memory, the wine of St. Therese. Uh, clean, doing the dishes and it's just such an innocuous thing everybody does I actually was thinking about this with my family last night how they had made dinner so there's a moment where I was like oh, now I gotta do the dishes <laughs> this is how it works you know people who do dinner it's different you know we take turns but the thing with St. Therese which I loved or St. Teresa I'm getting one Therese you're Therese, right okay um, the image of her holding up the clean plate that is uh, evocative of Jesus holding up the Eucharist. And both, you know, it made me think of sacrifice. And I could be completely wrong about this, but it made me think of sacrifice and how um, Jesus sacrificed himself for us. And thus, by doing the dishes, by doing household works for the ones we love, our families, our friends, uh, strangers, um, we can all take part in that sacrifice. Uh, You know, to make the world better. Yeah. I mean, what can you speak a little yeah. bit more yeah, about I, that? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> the way you described that picture, um, I did a that's from a book. I did a whole book of painting inspired by Therese, um, which whose book I read the summer following my father's death, and um, I, I, I loved it because it, it it's very Salesian. She she had apparently had a great love for Francis de Sales, as did her parents. And so she grew the whole notion of the little and the ordinary being the places to encounter God is what struck yeah. me because that's what Francis was all about, the sales. And um, so, so the little way, so even an act like doing the dishes, the tedious stuff that you just think, exactly. you know, exactly. mop the floor now. But if you turn it into a kind of like, oh, I got 10 minutes to pray right now, and then it's, it's no longer a chore, it's a, something you look forward to again for those. There's moments of quiet and contemplation in the midst of all our busyness. You know, it's like you got to find it where you can. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, I know this like lately. I'm when I'm in the car, I frequently don't even put the radio on because it's like oh, nice and quiet. You know, yeah. I don't, especially on long trips, I savor the quiet. I guess that comes with age. Too, but, uh, <laughs> I love quiet. You know, I was going to ask about that. I've been take. I very rarely take notes when I do these interviews, but you've generated three questions in my head that I wanted to, to ask you. Uh, and one of them is uh, sort of the importance of uh, being contemplative in creating art. So in our world, we tend to have to create content. So social media, I'm always creating content, news releases. I create all the time. I would never claim – I claim very little of it as art. My, the only art I think I ever really create is on occasion I'll take a very good photograph. You know, I'm a professional photographer. 
and I'll be pleased with with what I have. But um, in terms of actually creating something, you you and creating, you're given a task. Now, I guess that's even the better way to ask him. Jumbling my question up pretty bad, pretty badly. But when you decide to create something, either when you decide to create something, how do you do that? Like when does something come over you, or do you do you find that you need to you need to receive a request for something? You mean like a commission? Sort. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I love getting commissions, of course. I mean, that's how I make my living. But um, I've, I've come to feel there's two. When you do this for a living and you do it all, I don't know how to do anything else but hard. I mean, I have no choice. I just kind of get out of the way. But um, when you're doing a commission, you're doing something uh, for someone else. So it's not always necessary. I mean, they come to me knowing what my work's like or mm-hmm. they want something in that style or whatever. Um, but it's not. It's different than when it's welling up out of my own desire and uh, need to reveal something that's in there. And that often happens through reading, you know. So um, I just I, I draw all the time too, and uh, let go of the fact. And this is the important thing: is uh, that everything I put on paper doesn't have to turn into a masterpiece. You know, yeah. it's like I don't have that pressure anymore. The judgmental voice, like oh, this is ugly or this is stupid. Yeah, you just kind of let it happen and stop working. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's always another way. You know? <laughs> and sometimes that happens after months of working on something. Yeah. You know, but you can let it go. You know, it's not a waste of time. I don't think. I think the big thing is what um, the old expression: "It's about the journey, not the destination." And yeah. I think that's what any artist will tell you: it's it's the getting there. Because mm-hmm. if you knew exactly what you're going to do, there wouldn't be any point in producing it. Yeah. You know, it's a learning; it's a process of like life. Yeah. yeah. Using using the term artist loosely, I can you know artist being not just a draw uh, someone who creates pictures uh-huh. you know, and draw portraits, but writer or musician there's yeah, a actor thing, yeah or there's there's definitely that um you have to be not afraid to fail because right. um what i've what i've learned is uh just get it down get down whatever's in your head and then you can tweak it from there or like you know if you want to eliminate it eliminate it start over that's right be, it's just it's good just to because i always you know so i still have this tendency I'm impatient to get something done, but really, I think that's something that any artist needs. Anybody in life that's is right. patience. Life and, lessons in general, you know. And I, yeah, and I think <clears throat> just put it down. Don't be afraid to fail and to, because through that you'll come. Like I just there's a phrase that comes up to me with my writing. When my writing instructor always said, "Write down the bones, put down the skeletal structure." I don't, you know, and then. Even if that's all it is, and you don't use all of it, you got something. Yeah. And is that a, so? How? And not and not to censor yourself is exactly so important. And I tell that to people all the time. Get yourself a book where you're doodling or drawing or writing whatever you're, and nobody else in the world has to see it. So don't judge it. Don't think oh, people think I'm weird if I knew I was doing this. We all have we all have that weirdness yeah. about us in some form or other that you would hate to you know you would be afraid to world would would know about but it does they don't have to you know yeah. it's, it's, the important thing is to befriend it and get it out and turn it into beauty and then it's not and you talk cumbersome a bit, anymore you know and you talked a bit about just now about criticism and you can't be afraid i'm still learning that you know you just have to put it out if you have to make it true to you there are so many times in my head where I'm writing something where like, oh, how will someone else see this? Yeah, exactly. And that's dangerous. And that's, that's very dangerous. Because it's not that's true. That's the worst enemy of the, you know, Yeah, you're playing to. the creative process. Yeah. I mean, do you, how is your. As I always say, you know, we wouldn't have impressionism if people thought like that. Or we wouldn't have modern art, whatever. You wouldn't have Apple computer. You know, if, if people sat around thinking, what was that? What's everybody going to think if I do this new and outlandish thing? You know, yeah, yeah. but it's a particular danger for us in church because you know we're so rituals and traditions, and you know people are afraid to step out of that. But it's a matter of discovering a God who's bigger than all those little limitations we tend to put on ourselves and mm-hmm. all religions. You know, not just. I don't want to pick on ours, <laughs> but uh, you know it, it's it's God's deeper than that, yeah. and you can only get to that depth when you clear all the stuff away that oh. you might be afraid to clear. And I think that's why a lot of people aren't they're afraid to go there. You know, yeah. it's a fearful thing for some people because they don't know what to do with it. So, yeah. 
See, I, I really I love speaking with artists because you know I'm I've, I'm a journalist. I can write and I can take pictures. I'm a photojournalist. I'm a journalist, right? So I do everything on demand. Everything is creating content for me. And when left to my own devices, like I was over this past week, I I, I can't make myself take a picture. I can't make myself sit down and write. I can appreciate other stuff. I I, I will I will watch, look at the art of others, whether it's reading someone's column or, or, you know, watching a film or something like that, or going to a museum for that matter. Um, but I can't generate it myself. And I think, you know, it's how I, I've had this argument with people before uh, who would say, well, Mike, you're a photographer. You can do anything. I'm, like, nah, I'm a photojournalist. There's a difference. Photographers are artists. They, they create something. I can only capture what ex- what existed, manipulated only in the, in the littlest degree. I mean, I can do all those things, but I can't mentally do any of those things. So I'm in no, no form of an artist. So I love hearing people who say, well, I need, I need quiet moments to, to generate this. So is that what it takes? Is it like doodling and, and in That's those quiet start. moments? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a, a quiet comes down again, like one of those lights that light lessons and not just artists, but yeah. um, you can't hear, hear what needs to happen with all the noise in our lives. You know? yeah. And I think photojournalists, I, I've often thought, especially since um, reading, you know, Dorothy Day always considers herself first and foremost a journalist. You know? yeah. If you were to ask her, she wouldn't say I'm, Run a soup kitchen, you know. She's a journalist, you know, and that was the most important thing. And that you know, writing a column regularly for the Catholic Worker paper. But um, I, I, in reading all that, I, I, I really feel that journalists are mystics in many ways because you, you're going beneath the surface. That's exactly the point of journalism, yeah. and you do that with your photography too, yeah. you know. And I think mystics and artists are the same thing, you know. We just have different <laughs> labels for them. And I think you have to, you have to have that curiosity. Yeah. To go deeper, if you're an artist, you know, you doodle and you're kind of like, okay, where can this go? And then it becomes a sketch, it becomes a face, it becomes a masterpiece. Yeah. And is this one of the, if we can shift gears to get brother, one of the uh, the people that you, you mentioned in your uh, talks that I've heard is uh, Sister Thea Bowman. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about who she is and, and what it is about her that has sh- struck you? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Boy, wherever I even start, once you get me talking about Sister Thea, she, um, for those who've never heard of her, she was a African-American Franciscan nun um, from a community called the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, but she herself was from Mississippi. And she um, was a dynamic, incredible speaker, evangelizer, uh, singer, um, who was one of the top speakers on the National Catholic Circuit at the time of her death. She died at 52, uh, I guess, uh, in uh, 1990 of mm-hmm. cancer, that it started as breast cancer and became bone cancer. And I first learned of her um, when my dad was dying. I was visiting him one Sunday afternoon in, in our home in Philly, and we had a hospital bed in the living room, and he was taking a nap. And I picked up... Um, his copy of U.S. Catholic Magazine, which was on his coffee table. And in it was the last interview with Sister Thea Bowman on Glory Roads. And I'd never heard of the woman in my life, but she talked about growing up in the Jim Crow South in the 30s. She was born in 1937. Um, So the 40s and 50s in Mississippi for black folks um, and in the church, especially, you know. Um, And what happened, uh, I just... And she talked about um, pain and suffering and how, as a Franciscan, she felt her job was to be a troubadour. She said, I'm not dying. I prefer the language of my slave ancestors, which is I'm going home. <laughs> and uh, I just was so stark because I'd read this and look up and there was my father going home. We didn't know when that would be. It was turns out it wasn't long after that. Um, but it, it stayed with me forever. And a year later, um, I saw a video about her life and... Uh, I couldn't get to sleep. It was a Thursday night, and uh, I couldn't sleep. I had so many images in my head, and I got up the next morning, Friday morning, and over the next two weeks, nine paintings came out really? inspired by this oh. video. I didn't even know a whole lot about her yet, you know, just from what I saw in this video, which was filled with a lot of interviews with her in her last days and, and fragments of her talks and presentations. She was all over the country. Um, but um, anyhow, they were in a style very different from anything I'd ever done before. And I was teaching at the time, teaching art and art history, and very frustrated with it. I knew it was time to, to go. 
um, uh, I'd just done all I could to make it interesting, and it was just starting to feel uh, wear me down, wasn't, you know. And she came along right in the midst of that, and and uh, I, in a way what I learned from this was get out there and be yourself and just do what you were put here on earth to do. And I thought, you know, the world doesn't need any more bad landscapes. Um, <laughs> it needs um, people like her, and through my paintings, hopefully, how to how do we bear with suffering and the tough stuff in life and, and marginalization, being in the margins as, as she, in the world she grew up in. I mean, in, that's, in Mississippi and all over the South, I imagine, but especially the Deep South, until 1965, if a black Catholic went to a white Catholic church for mass, they had to stand in the back mm -hmm. and get communion. The priest, after all the whites got communion, the priest would come back and bring communion to the black. So they didn't. Mm. I met a woman who grew up with her. I stayed in her family home uh, once, and um, and a, a woman told me, shared with me her story that once she was out shopping and it was a very hot day, and she just wanted to make a visit in church, and she stopped in Sacred Heart Church in Canton, Mississippi. The Canton's a town about thirty-five miles outside of Jackson, and um, she said a white woman came up and tapped her on the shoulder and said, "Excuse me." but we have a perfectly nice place for you people to pray in the back of this church. And oh, wow. it, it just, it's hard for us to fathom that's 1965, you know, it's, yeah. that's our, our lifetime. Many of us, yeah. Yeah. I you just can't, I mean, it's a, so it's important to share that story. So young people hear it, you know, it, it's, it's uh, the racial climate in this country is as ugly as it was in 1965. Sometimes it feels like, and, um, and, uh, we in the church and as artists that we need to step up and, Say this, this isn't right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going back. Yeah. You know, you know. But uh, yeah, so for her to to um, come into this, she it was Catholic by choice. She converted when she was twelve. You know, and entered the convent at fifteen because she said the Franciscan nuns she had in school were the first. Uh, were, were people who told her there was a whole world outside her cotton patch back home, as she called it. And, <laughs> and uh, so she went off and taught at Viterbo University for years and and became a national speaker and evangelizer. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, you know, a lifetime as an artist, are there any pieces that you've created that have really stuck out in your mind? Yeah, after these nine um, paintings of Sister Thea, um, I did a picture um, of it's called the Windsock Visitation. It's Mary and Elizabeth as two uh, black women, and it was painted for a visitation monastery in Minneapolis, mm -hmm. which back in 1993, the visitation sisters were a community founded by St. Francis de Sales, so we're mm -hmm. close, you know, spiritual uh, kin. <laughs> so that story, that image of Mary and Elizabeth has always been a powerful one in our spirituality. And, um, so I think that painting more than any other, I, especially it was the first major commission I got when I left teaching. And I thought, oh, God, why did I leave teaching? I'm not going to be a failure. This is not going to work. You know, all those things. And uh, that was the first job I had. And um, there it is. It's uh, um, it was a powerful experience for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that sounds fantastic. This, would you say that you have a particular style? No. No, <laughs> the brother Mickey style. I think I style many multiple personalities. Actually, <laughs> that's a style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People ask that. I love medieval art. I love Gothic art, but I love modern motifs and mm -hmm. kind of put things together. Yeah. Um, I, I love icons. I've, although I can't say I, you know, sometimes some of the things I do I think may come out of that, but I haven't, you know, they haven't been a, an important yeah. part of my. Influence, yeah. you know. Have you found that uh, George O'Keefe? I love George O'Keefe. Oh, really? Okay. Let's see. Yeah, some of them are modern. Yeah. Have you found you? I mean, you just mentioned one earlier that uh, you know. I was curious, commission versus versus you know coming naturally out of your own mind. Have you found commission pieces that you've done uh, that were like? Do you find that uh, you're happiest with your own pieces, or oftentimes? unbeknownst to you a commission piece will end up being something that really i mean certainly the one you previously mentioned but well I'll more than right once? now i'm just noticing i didn't clean my, i have paint on my <laughs> finger because i am rushing to get done i hope they don't listen to this down in austin texas <laughs> but i have a commission to do our lady of guadalupe uh, for uh, saint edward's college in austin and um 
supposed, they're supposed to have it by the end of January, so here I am, <laughs> sitting here with you two instead. <laughs> we will send our apologies oh, please to them. Do. There you go. <laughs> Write a note we, for me. We feel bad that we're taking Brother Mickey away from his work. I, we will get him back as soon as we can. But I think I was looking. I think this will be the fifth Guadalupe I've painted over the years, and uh, and I love that. I, I, it's not coming out of it. I mean, I. I love Guadalupe, but I don't have a special thing for, you know, to, yeah. but I'm developing one, you know, but each of them is very different. You really? Know? So it, it's kind of like, even though it's the same subject matter, they're, they're for different purposes or at different stages in my own life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've really come to love her as, um, because of my own interest in, um, you know, the racial, uh, equality and all that, and civil rights and, um, but she is a, a dark Madonna, you know, as yeah. you say, or a black Madonna. I've been doing a lot of them lately. And um, so she kind of comes under that. Uh, when she said to Juan Diego, uh, I'm the mother of all people, that was her, she was like the first indigenous image of Mary, you know, as a native Mexican mm -hmm. woman at a time when the Spanish were so oppressive to the natives, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a whole story of... Uh, symbol of liberation and so that's what I hook into now that the more I learn about her you know so each painting is different I guess you know as um Pete had brought in a postcard of um your picture of St. Francis and it got me to thinking that I I realized as we're speaking that the I have not had much interaction with your artwork other than in digital form as we've used it for pieces around the diocese or in print form like that do you have a particular like does it ever uh if you see like your your one of your prints uh, you know in, in a in, on a website versus in print or as it was painted like do you have a preference is it uh would you rather it be seen on a wall or I, if i see it on a website and i haven't asked permission well, to use it yet, then that's that, a big that's problem a <laughs> We are going to put up some of his art later. We did ask permission first. But that kind of leads into it. This doesn't answer your question yet, but um, I have been posting things on my Facebook page as well as um, if people are on Facebook, they can go to my website. But every Monday morning, I like to send out a devotional image. You know, more often than not, they're quotes from Pope Francis that I will illustrate or some other saying, but, but I'll try to make them timely when appropriate or like the other day was one for New Year's. And um, uh, so, but that's, because, that's a whole new way of, you know, and I do a lot of art on my iPad now too, because yeah. I travel so much so I can travel and I don't have to lug a lot of equipment with me, you know, it's all yeah. right there. So that has to be asked about styles earlier and they, that I, I can do things on the iPad I can't do with paint and canvas yeah. and vice versa, you know. Yeah. Um, so that forces a style change in yeah, some ways, yeah. you know. You know, that, that migration from, you know, ink or paint to pixels, um, was that something you sort of dove into or was that something you entered into reluctantly when you wanted to make mm, that change? Probably a little bit better. Than oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I, I remember the first time I saw an iPad and a friend said, you got to get one of these. And so that's when I thought, you know what, don't resist it. Don't be afraid of it. That's, yeah, you know, and it took me a long time to get used to it. Now it's second year when they came out with the, uh, I forget what they're even called now, but the, where you can draw on a desktop, but you, you're using a mouse. Oh, and right. A pad yeah, yeah. And the drawings, oh, I, yeah. could, I tried and I went out and got one, but I just could never get the hang of it. I said, that the things over here and the pictures over there and um, yeah. so why I love the iPad is I use a stylus and it feels like a pencil or a pen and, mm -hmm. um, do you use the the biggest iPad that they came out with, with no the I, built a friend of mine just got one though and she was showing it to me I thought next time I get one I'll think yeah. I'll go to that size yeah. but I'd be lost without it now really in fact, I lost one last year. I left it in an airport or airplane, and mm. I had a lot of art on it that I hadn't saved properly. So. Oh, no. Well, one of those life lessons. <laughs> Somebody has all this artwork now on the side. Yeah. <laughs> if they found if they... Yeah. Is, uh, did you... You're, you're talking in the car, you don't put on music, but when you're... I'm always curious as to, like, uh, I listen to music if I'm just writing on my own, or, like, downstairs, I'll put on... Uh, I don't know. I, I listen to country. I listen to rock. Anything See, I couldn't listen to that when I'm working. <laughs> anything with lyrics, you know, it, it becomes a distraction, you know. 
So, so if I do listen to music when I'm working, it's usually instrumental. Kind Thank of God. I thought, the, kind of stuff. I thought I was the crazy person because I can't write with music on, like yeah. lyrical stuff. I can just sound is fine. But yeah. if, if there are any words, That's right. I get distracted. Because then you get caught up in the yeah. music. Yeah. I do anyhow. Me too. Well, I do. I, have to, I do listen to some instrumental. There's a good band, Explosions in the Sky. Yeah. That's all like, that's good. And then the piano guys. Or it's all piano and, and uh, there's some bass in there too. It's beautiful. Like any in particular, just classical or jazz or yes, <laughs> I mean, all of it. I love the answer. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So. I do like all of it. The um, you know my my last question is we're about to wrap up so we can release you back to your to your work the Guadalupe yeah your Guadalupe um, I was curious you know. Pete, very good. Pete said that uh, Pete mentioned uh, he was talking about your art. And he was sort of explaining you know, as he was talking about the the St. Francis de Sales postcard that we were looking at. Um, at the uh, you know he was giving you his impression of what these different things meant. Um, when you create something, you know exactly the thought that went into everything you created, right? As you hear other people, yeah, well, not till after. Well, okay, yeah. yeah, but at the end of the game. You know what you've created and you know why you put it there. So when you hear other people, if you do hear other people, describe your work and they get it wrong. Like, oh, Brother Mickey must have been thinking about this or Brother Mickey was going in this direction. Or you can really tell from this that this is what Brother Mickey had in mind. Do you get irritated by people's inaccurate uh, uh, perception of the thought you had into it? Or do you appreciate that – Someone else's perception is leading a different road than you had originally intended. Uh, more of the second. Really? Because I've often had people say, oh, I never, I love how you did such and such. And I was like, oh, I guess I did. Oh, I, didn't know, I didn't plan that, but there it is. But that's what I love about it. You know, everybody brings their yeah. story. But that might mean something very different to some people. Than, and that, uh, more often than not, that's, I enjoy that, you know, yeah, yeah, to yeah. hear. Cause, and what it tells me is that there's, the Holy Spirit's really the one in charge here. We just get ourselves out of the way. And, that's really true. Rip, you that's, know? So if yeah, that that's... means that thing to that person, then have at it. I recently turned over uh, several thousand photographs that I've taken since I joined the diocese two years ago to to a number of different creators in, in the diocese. And I basically said, do whatever you want with them. And I'm constantly amazed at the photos they choose because oftentimes they'll be ones that I didn't even give it a second thought to. I'm like, really? That's the picture? Like, what? Like, what is it in that that you saw that would be... Yeah, you inspire yeah, people to, yeah. do, to to act upon it, and you know they usually give me a pers- pers- perspective, and I'm like, man, I didn't see that in the least. So either mm-hmm. they suck, or I'm not sure what I'm talking about. But but art is art, and you perceive in it what it, what you perceive in it, and I've I've learned to appreciate that. Right up until I have to tell the somebody on Star Herald, no, I don't like the picture. Do this one instead. But uh, but otherwise, it's uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Is so. it can you uh, so we're, since we're wrapping this up, just one last can I ask one last question? I'm fine. Just, uh, can you leave us with some inspiring words? People listening who might be uh, high schoolers, college students who are kind of who are having that discussion about art. If it's if it's uh, drawing, if it's making music, if it's writing, if it's poetry, what what uh, what advice could you give to aspiring artists? The first thing to come to mind. First one is be not afraid. Just just let it rip and get, turn off the judgmental voices. Yeah. Um, and ignore the ones that, you know, Francis de Sales used to say, if, um, um, we have a lesson to learn from the traveling salesman, uh, to ignore the barking of the dogs and keep going. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing for all people, that artists and writers, especially you can't block yourself, censor yourself, judge yourself, any of those things. And the other is again from Francis the Sales and it's our community motto is be who you are and be that perfect. Well. You read my yeah. mind. No, because I was thinking about, I was going to let you have the last word, so I wasn't going to bring it up, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> but no, you insist just, on having the last word. No. Well, <laughs> we got ended right there. <laughs> we could have. No, I just have to say that that was one of the things. I remember when you did retreat, I bought it on a postcard, uh, and it was the beach setting with that phrase, and I was going to bring that up because that struck me. And I'm glad you did. Good. And the... Um, just what is your website? Now now here's the last word. What is your it's website? BroMickeyMcGrath.com. B-R-O for brother. BroMickeyMcGrath.com. M-C-G-R-A-T-H. 
I, oh, you really let that be the last word? No. I'm, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was waiting for a response. I'm like, oh, my, I guess we are giving him the last word. It's going to be dot com. I was All waiting right. for you, Mike. No, no, no. Well, Brother Mickey, thank you very much for joining us. Our apologies for not having you on sooner, but thank you for being our emergency <laughs> podcaster. You are welcome back anytime. This was fantastic. Thank anytime you. you want us to promote something or if you're giving something or giving – we'd be happy to podcast next time you give a lecture right. or a presentation. So by all means, feel free to invite us That's out. We're also kind of for stuff. So thank you very much for joining us in the vault. And, uh, thank you hope for you weren't having <laughs> me. Very, 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 yeah. Yes. Thank you, me too. Glad it worked out. So, All right, Pete. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, Pete, you have a good weekend, and we'll see each other next week. Sounds good. The Algeon Tap this Tuesday, January 9th. Uh, come and say hello. Yep, you got it. See you, everybody.